But um, actually, I had, I had uh, wanted to share some stuff with you this morning. But when I got up early this morning, uh, just a heart of compassion came on me where I could hardly function. Because I, I, I heard, in my spirit, I heard, break the power of it. Break the power of it. Break the power of what? Mother's Day, and there's other holidays, but Mother's Day, like we said, everybody has a mother. But a lot of times this day brings sadness. Whether it's someone that you know that, that has passed away and left children or your own mother or whatever. And do you know, according to Isaiah 54 or 53, Jesus bore our griefs and our sorrows. But society wants to put it back on us at every celebration, whether it's Christmas or birthdays or anniversaries. And they, they want you to be sad. And it seems like if you're not sad, you didn't love them enough. If you're happy, then obviously you didn't love them. And that's exactly opposite of what God says. And so I started thinking about those that would be in the audience today, that your mothers, maybe you never even knew your mother. Maybe your mother gave you away. Well, thank God she didn't abort you. But maybe, maybe you're far away from your mother. Maybe your mother's in heaven. Maybe you don't know where your mother is. Maybe she's passed away and you don't know if she is in heaven. God has comfort for all of us. Last Mother's Day, my brother, it was our first Mother's Day since my mother had gone to heaven. Now, my mama wanted to go to heaven for years before she went. She was kind of mad at me thinking I was the one praying to keep her on earth. She was 89 years old, almost, and she was a few weeks from being 90 years old, and she wanted to go to heaven. But Mother's Day came, and I got a phone call from my brother, and he said, are you, are you having a hard time today? And I said, oh, I'm thinking of Mama. He said, I'm having a real hard time. And, you know, thank God for the Holy Ghost. I said, Gary, I've read a lot of stories about people in heaven. Do you know there's no old people in heaven? Did you know that? There's no old people in heaven. Because we get a body that's in our best time. And, and it's around... According to people that have gone to heaven and come back, it's between like 25 to 35. And that, when you're in your prime of life, I said, Gary, Mama and Daddy are having a great time in heaven. They are dancing. They are, they are, I mean, my daddy was one that laughed all the time. My mother was a happy lady. They are laughing. They're full of joy. I said, and if God were to permit them to look down on us, they would look down and say, oh, look at those old people. <laughs> I 
Because we're older than they are now. And they know what awaits us. Maybe you've had a child that's, that you miscarried. And our society many times just fluffs that off. Like, well, you'll, you can have another one. Listen, when, when a woman and a, a husband, it's, it's both. And sometimes only the woman gets even talked about. But when a child, if we truly believe, and, and we believe, life begins at conception. And if we believe that, we believe every child, according to the Psalms, is a gift from God. And when that child does not, it does not come out and is born into this earth, but it's just inside and is, a, is miscarried, I want you to know that that child goes to heaven and they grow up. Yes. Two great friends of mine went to heaven this week. I landed in Windsor and Jonathan and I were sitting across the aisle and Jonathan says, Mom, he get, his, his phone, we turn on our phones, his phone starts beeping and my phone starts beeping. He looks at his and he says, Mom, Matt Gober just went to heaven. Many of you know Matt Gober. He's ministered here. Great man of God. And mine beeps. And another friend of mine who's been on the board of Brother Copeland's ministry for over 35 years here in uh, uh, Canada, 25 years in the States, great friend, David, and I have known him for over 30 years. He had had a stroke, but God told me. They said they've taken him into brain surgery. God said, uh, he's staying in heaven. And so I went to our hotel knowing two of my good friends had gone to heaven. But you know, Bill, that was Bill McClellan. Bill, back in 1980, they had a two-year-old son up near Vancouver. And they had a swimming pool. And the two-year-old son walked out into the pool and drowned. And David and I ministered to Bill and Diane at that time. And my first thought was, oh, that boy is grown. Because Jonathan was born in 82, so I'm picturing, this is a grown man that's going to meet Bill at the gates and go, hey, Dad. It's William John, here I am. Or from John William. I anyway, his son. So if we see into the heavenly, like God told me, start thinking heavenly, then this sorrowing stuff that the enemy tries to put on us has no place. Our time on earth is just like that. In fact, if you were in heaven... And you were looking down and, and you could see your loved ones and they were sorrowing. You would go, why? They'll be here in a moment. It's a moment. We get to spend all eternity. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be about the Father's business. So I want to encourage you today. Audrey, the, in, in Ontario, God spoke to me. And he was talking to me about praying. And I was thinking about it. You have a son in heaven. He's, he is loving heaven. But you have stuff to do. You can't check out to go visit him. Because you'll have eternity. But now the world thinks 
if she's not sorrowing on Mother's Day, then she didn't love him enough. Don't you ever put that on anybody. Because that is not a God word. That is not God's thought. That's not, that is a thought of the world. Because our actions when, we're, when we are Christians, the Bible says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The next verse says we walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, without faith it's impossible to please God. For those that believe must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. Heaven is a reward. So why should we sorrow that someone is in their reward? We rejoice. Do we miss them? Yes. But I'm just trying. I, I think God wants, I don't think, I know. God wants us today to walk out of here going, I have victory over this. Amen. This is not, I, I will not sorrow anymore. In fact, I had, I had a prophetic word for Sister Alvina, and, and I just on the way to church that I, any, I mean, God can just speak anytime he wants to. And uh, so I called her on the way. Now, I wasn't holding my phone, by the way, you know. <laughs> just so you know, I don't do that. Okay. But I was, I, you know, my, my car where I could talk to her. And I said, Alvina, I have a word from God for you. I'm just going to tell you right now that today, because she's preaching in Loon Lake. Now, in the natural, you would say, don't let her preach because her daughter committed suicide six months ago and left. Five, or five children or six, six children. Don't let her preach on Mother's Day. That'd be the worst day. But God said, if Alvina will do this, she'll break a barrier. Once you break a barrier, you can't go back. When the sound barrier was broken, you remember that. I mean, someone had to break, what was his name? Uh, Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier. Do you know no one talks about that anymore? Gee, I wish we could break the sound barrier. Would somebody break? Remember the guy that ran a mile and uh, what? Whatever. He he broke the record that nobody thought they could do. He broke a barrier. When Jackie Robinson became the first Afro-American to play uh, Major League Baseball, they, ha they thought they should have their own leagues. He broke a barrier. And you can't go back after a barrier is broken. God has created us to be barrier breakers. When I became a woman minister and... And God did it. I didn't assign myself. That was God's doing. But particularly when I became the head pastor after David moved to heaven, when I went to the ministerial, they told me, we don't believe in women being pastors. Our denomination doesn't believe that. Well, now they believe in sending them over and they can be missionaries. But among the, you know, Canada and uh, United States, we don't let women pastor. 
They wanted me to know that my first meeting. I smiled and I said, well, you didn't call me. God called me. So I'm not here to make trouble. I am what I am. I am the pastor of the Word Church. Well, they were nice to me, but they wanted it clear that they didn't believe I was that. I should be that. But see, I didn't have to have them because I broke a barrier. Within weeks, there were other women that were showing up. Why? Someone had to come in and say, this is right. This, this is, no, I, before I got saved, I was a women's liver. And so, you know, the first major corporation I worked for wouldn't let women wear pants. Well, I'd come out of the hippie movement, so <laughs> I walked in and said, I'm going to wear pants. Oh, no, you're not. Yes, I am. Well, I broke the barrier, and they changed the law in that corporation that women could wear pantsuits. But that was, that was the flesh way. I'm not talking about doing things in the flesh and demanding you have to let me. I'm a woman. I need, need, need it. I'm talking about God making a way. Because you don't have to prove anything. I don't have to put a badge and say, you know, some of these Christian magazines, you know, you see, this is bishop, this is prophetess, this is minister, they all have titles. Well, that's, that's, if they want to do that, that's fine. But you don't have to put a title on yourself. You are who you are by the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. You are who you are. Why? Because we're made in his image. And so the world is trying to, to make us think that we have to act a certain way. When, when the grace of God came on me for David's funeral, and I didn't cry. I had, I, they don't know that I was, you know, on the floor the night before beating my hands on the floors, crying so much, saying, I, I'm, it's not right, I'm not going to the funeral. It's not right for me, for my husband to die. It's not right. But at the funeral, Grace, because there were so many of you guys praying for me, people all over the world praying, Grace came on me. I didn't shed a tear. I had, it was a wonderful service. I had a great time. But you know what? The talk of the town was, she faked it. Can you fake being at your husband's funeral, a man that you worked with 24 hours, you were with 24-7 all the time. We worked together. We lived together. Can you fake the love of your life? You're at their funeral. Can you fake? Well, I'm just going to, I don't want them to think that I don't have faith. So I'm not going to cry. Well, you guys know me. I cried everything, so <laughs> it had to be God. We got to get past trying to make people have an image of us yeah. that makes them happy. Yeah, that's right. We got to say, what does God want? Amen. God wants us to live victorious, Amen. joyful, happy. And it has nothing to do how much I love someone or how much I did it. And we got to quit judging one another. And we, we got to quit saying to one another, oh, I, I know this is a hard day for you. Well, it, it, you might know it will be a hard day. There, that's not saying there's no hard days. There are hard days. 
But you know what? Wouldn't it be better to say, just want you to know I'm praying for you, speaking grace on your life today, great grace. Great grace on you today. You can do this. You and God, I'm with you. Isn't that better than saying, I'm so sorry. I know this is a hard day for you. See, that's, that's what the world does. But we are not of this world. We've got to start acting like we believe what this Bible says. Amen? Amen? So, I think about the women in here today and the men in here today that you're dealing with flesh emotions. Now, God gave us emotions. We're not supposed to be emotionless. But we have to bring those into line with the word of God. The Bible says we sorrow not as those who have no hope. So, obviously, there's going to be people that sorrow, but we're not to sorrow like that because we have hope. You know, some people are dealing with people who uh, have dementia or, or um, Alzheimer's. I, I hate that disease because people are alive, but they're not. But can we live in victory through that? Yes. yes. And you know what's been a connecting on some of those people? is going in there and singing hymns. They might not respond to anything. They start singing. You know, my mother was probably the first person that ever talked to me about Jesus. My mother raised us. My mother and father raised us in church and talked to us about the Lord and taught us. My mother is the one that rocked me singing, Jesus loves me. And every time I rock Moses, hold Moses and sing to him, I realize I'm just another generation. That this one, this little one will know Jesus at an early age. Yeah. This one will serve Jesus because he's my seed. And the seed of the righteous shall be blessed. Amen? Amen? So whether I'm here on this earth or not, my prayers are here. My faith has already been planted. So he has a heritage. Amen? Amen. But you might not have come from a heritage of faith. Listen, when my... <laughs> When we looked at my father's family, we couldn't find anybody. <laughs> we finally found Jonathan and my brother finally went back long enough, found somebody that possibly was a Christian. My daddy was the first one that got saved in the family. And, the rest, and that was at an older age. And the rest of them, and he was the baby. They all thought he was crazy. They didn't go to church. They, did, they cursed God. But God was so gracious to let me, by writing letters, lead many of them, several of them, to the Lord before they went by the way of the grave. So my daddy didn't have a heritage of faith. My mama did. But we can start where we are. And I want you to say, I want to say this too. There are children, there's youth in our church that do not have family that are serving God. It's our responsibility as the family of God to pray for them, to minister love to them, and never speak wrongly of them. You know what? 
Have you ever, you know, sometimes children just are children. I mean, children act like children because they are children. And But you might have one in children's church that's just like, oh, my Lord. I quit. <laughs> if that child's in there, I'm not. I understand that. But here's the thing. Take that as a prayer project. Take that as a, a challenge. I'm going to love that kid. I'm going to pray for that kid. I'm going to show that child that they can't make me not love them. That's basically how I got saved. I went to a retreat, and I thought, hey, I've been around Christians all my life. And I'd seen such prejudice in the church and where I grew up. I said, they're all hypocrites, so I'll just be a hypocrite. And I went even further into sin. But then when the Lord started talking to me, I went to this retreat. But I, I was convinced that every Christian was a hypocrite. And that they wouldn't love me if, they really, if I really ticked them off. So I didn't dress appropriately. I went in. I just just used such foul language that, and they were. All, it was all Christian. I was like the token center of the weekend. <laughs> they were. It's at a retreat, thirty people, and I really. I was the only center. And I thought they will. They will lose it because they're all hypocrites. They act like they love you, but you just act like, I mean, you just be. So I was worse than I really was. Dressed inappropriately. Came in and just cursed them out. You know what they did? They went, well, praise the Lord. Let me give you a hug. I tried my hardest to make them not love me, but they loved me. I got saved the next morning. Because you couldn't move them. Because they just loved. They loved me. I didn't fit their mold. I didn't. I purposely. Because I'd been raised in church. I knew what you're supposed to do. I knew what you're supposed to say. I knew what you're supposed to dress like. I knew. I knew how it worked. But I had decided. Because God literally. I'd had an open vision. Saw heaven. Knew God was calling me. And I thought, it's, they got to prove to me that this is, I, I will not be part of that group. I'll, if it's real, then I want to see if it's real. Well, I don't suggest you do that. But I did, and God met me. And that started at 6 o'clock at night. And by 12 o'clock the next morning, I was saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, healed and ready to go to the mission field. How come? Because God changes things. Because God changes things. Amen? So, as I thought about people today, I mean, all you got to do is open your Facebook. Like, like I said, I was getting messages through the night, so I'm seeing you know people honoring their mothers, and thank God for that, but and then in, in my own kids, of course, they're both in Philadelphia this morning, and so they were texting me early. Thank God for technology. But I thought, I have such compassion on people who have walked through loss 
and people who've been abused by their mothers and people who are mothers who don't know where their children are. Do you know that Aboriginal people, First Nations people of our nation, First Nation women, there, there are thousands of them missing. And it appears no one cares. I care. There's a mother that cares. Some of them are mothers. Through children waiting for mom. They're murdered. They're left on sides of roads. No one cares. But we've got to start caring. And having compassion. And be moved with the love of God. And not saying, well, that's just your problem. Listen, when a woman has a miscarriage and you say you just need to get over it, that has no power. You can't get over something that's ripped your heart out. When your mother leaves or when, when you are estranged from your children, you don't even know where your children are. You know they're out on the street somewhere. They're probably in prostitution or they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. Or they just, maybe you know where they are, but they, have, they want nothing to do with you or your God. You have got to have something in you that's bigger than that. That says, devil, you can't have them. I refuse. I draw, the, I draw the line in the sand and say, you can't have my kids. You can't have my family. Listen, when I got saved... My family, except for my mother, didn't want anything to do with what I knew and what I wanted them to know. Didn't want it. But I said, I mean, I talked to them think, this is it. This is the day. <laughs> I told them all about Jesus. He's so wonderful. You need Jesus. We don't want it. I remember looking across the table and saying, it doesn't matter what you say. I refuse to go to heaven without you. You're going to heaven. You can make a decision now or you can make it later, but you're going to heaven because I refuse, because the word promises me. I didn't tell him that part, but I had a promise from God that you and your household shall be saved. I had a promise for God that the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. I had a promise from God, and that's stronger than anything any man, woman, or child would say to me. And I stood on that promise. Now my whole family's saved. Praise the Lord. In church, loving God. But they had a mama too that would get up at 4.30 in the morning and have our pictures. She'd put them on the table. And she'd have her Bible and our pictures. And she would lay her hands on our pictures and pray for every child, every grandchild. Just say, Lord, they're going to serve you. And they're going to be a, not just go to church. They're going to really serve you. Isn't it good that before she went to heaven, she had us all there serving God. Isn't that wonderful? But the day she went to heaven, I went and preached a healing crusade while she was dying. Now, again, people thought, you have, what's wrong with you? And that never bothered me till this week. And it came on me, what a terrible daughter I must have been. My mother was dying. And I said goodbye, left, and went and preached a healing crusade in Virginia. I had never thought like that. 
because I knew what God told me to do. But it came on me this last week. And I realized this is the devil trying to put condemnation on me. And I just said to myself, which is what I said that day, if my mama wasn't in the coma, she would say to me, are you kidding me? I'm going to heaven. Leave me alone. Go preach. And when I was in that airplane and I saw those clouds, I can't tell you I saw it, but I knew. I just saw mama go to heaven. I, I knew it. I looked out and I, I, I didn't see her, but I saw her. I went, mama just went to heaven. So I knew when I got off the plane, there was people to meet me. My good friends, Rob and Trish, were at the bottom of the stairs. I knew Mama was gone. But you see, I preached. But people said, you need to go back to be with your family. That's, what did God say? God said, set the captive free. As I was talking to Trish about this yesterday, day before yesterday, she said, Brownie, the miracles that happened in that meeting, we still hear. The miracles, people that had things that been for years, God healed. Now, see, if I'd done what people thought I should have done, there'd be people still sick, deformed, but I obeyed God. It's not always easy and it's not always popular, but you need to obey God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And the Lord said to me, to tell you today, if you're having to deal with these emotions, let me tell you, it's just emotions. It's not, it's not real. Reality is not our emotions. That's just our flesh. What is real? This word of God is real. But God gave me a scripture for you this morning, <laughs> Psalms 115, 12. It says, the Lord is mindful of us. And he will bless us. God knows when you're hurting. But the Bible says he's a healer of broken hearts. So we're not saying, okay, nobody in here is allowed to be hurting right now. Stop it. If I could do that, I would, by the way. But I'm not the healer. But I can say this. If you're hurting today, I know the healer that will heal your heart and take away your hurt. If you're believing God for your mother and your father, your parents, your family to be saved, stay in there, hang in there, just like Trudy was talking today. God can do some one of the, I mean, he can do the coolest things that you never think about. He's not limited to our thinking. Doesn't the Bible say he does exceedingly, abundantly, more than you could ask? Or even imagine. I don't know about you, but I can ask really big. And I can imagine really big. And God does bigger. When my brother was, he was in secret service with the United States, building weapons all over the world. I was praying, oh God, how can he ever, I mean, he's, he's in Muslim nations. He's in nations that there's not Christians or not very many God. Send labors across his path, but where are they? I couldn't imagine. Where would they be? But I knew I was supposed to pray for my brother. And when he came back, I said, tell me, did you run into people like me all over the world? He said, yes. 
Every time Thanksgiving came or Christmas, it was people like you that would invite me to their house for dinner. And they believed like you do. In the most out-of-the-way places, countries so little you never knew the name of them. God had ways. So God is mindful of us. You are on God's mind. And your loved ones are on God's mind. And if you have children or mothers or fathers that have gone, have passed away, let me tell you, they're in your future, not in your past. God is able to keep that which we have entrusted to him until that day, the word says. Amen? Amen. And they would not want us. It's, it's the spirit of the world that wants you to be sad. But the spirit of Jesus, the Bible says he had more joy than all his brethren. He was full of joy. Even when his cousin, who he was close to, John the Baptist, you know what happened. The king's wife asked for John's head on a platter at the big banquet. Jesus was close to John. And they came and told him. They just served John's head on a platter. Do you know that in the natural you'd get sad and mad at the same time, wouldn't you? But what did Jesus do? What was Jesus' next reaction? He went and healed the sick. He had compassion on the people. He didn't even allow that to just move him one iota. Because why? He, I'll see John again. It won't be long. For Jesus, it was only a couple of years. Maybe three before he saw John again. Whoo! You don't know. You don't know how long your time on this earth is. But you need to live it to the best you can. Go out with a bang. Amen? Don't wither out. I'm telling you, people ought to know where you go. Should I go by the way of the grave? I don't want anybody saying, I wonder if she's in heaven. If any of you do, I hope that someone corrects you strongly. Because I know where I'm going. But I also know it's not time for me to go. As my spiritual father said to me three weeks ago, Brownie, Three years ago, you came. You came down here to Texas. The doctors had told you your organs were shutting down. There was nothing they could do. You came here. I did. I went to my, got my brother. My brother helped me get there. I went. My brother came with me. And Brother Jerry put his hands on me and prayed over me. You know what? I didn't feel like jumping and dancing at that moment, but I got better and better. And I'm still here. And you guys know that I have I have been to that door of death time and time, but I'm not going until I'm finished. And I'm telling you out loud. And so that you know. But I, you know what? I'm just quite well pleased to stay. 
until he comes. And the Bible says that he will satisfy us with long life. So you can go when you get satisfied. My, this second, I'm just in another phase, just starting. I, I don't want to miss this. God's got a precious stone for me. i got to go get that so I have something to present to him. Amen? So praise the Lord. I have lots more to, try, to talk to you about, but we'll just let that go. But I want to just say that trust God. Believe the word above everybody else. Amen. People can love you to death, if you know what I mean. Especially family. They love you. You're so sick. You're so sick. You don't need to go. You're so sick. Well, we need to be people that say, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to believe with you. You'll live and not die. As long as I'm here, I will pray. But should someone choose to go to heaven, don't be mad at them about it. I was a little ticked off at David because I knew he made that choice. And I, you know what? I didn't, I didn't understand. When you don't understand, you make stupid statements. But I, you know what? When God showed me, God said, Brownie, he did finish his course. He preached more than many men that lived to be 95. He started preaching when he was 14. He never took a holiday without preaching somewhere. He said he's entered into his rest. Let him rest. Wow. Okay. He said, he, and he told me he didn't mean to go into heaven, but when he saw heaven, he didn't want to come back. I don't blame him a bit. I don't know that if we see heaven, we've raised some people from the dead, and most people that are raised from the dead, let me tell you, because we've raised people from the dead, they don't like earth anymore. There's the occasional ones that, that have great testimonies and go preach everywhere, but the majority, once you've seen heaven, it's hard to like earth. But Jesus came to earth for us. He left that place of glory. He came to be one of us because he loved us so much. I want you to know today, if you don't know Jesus, he has paid a price for you that you could not pay. You couldn't do enough good works to get to heaven. You don't get to heaven by good works. Someone might say, well, that, that lion and thief is going to send you to hell. No, lion and thief don't send you to hell. That smoking and drinking is going to send you to hell. No. The only thing that's going to send you to hell is not believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and not confessing, believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that he is Lord. That's the only thing. Should we go ahead and do lying and thieving? No. Should we do smoking and drinking? No. Because we're, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're supposed to glorify God in this body. But you're not going to go to hell for it. Because Jesus paid the price. But just think about Jesus leaving glory <laughs> to come to earth. Now that was a wide awakener, wasn't it? But he did it because he loved us. And when we love others, we will give ourselves to them. So I'm asking you this week, particularly today, don't 
go to someone with a sorrowful look because that's what your flesh wants to do. You know, if I let my flesh, I would run over and weep with Audrey today and Aaron, just weep with them. I'd weep with them. But weeping is done. We have weeped. Weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen? That doesn't help them if I go cry with them now. What helps them is if I say, you can have victory. You can break that barrier. And when we break a barrier, there'll be people following us. Amen? Amen? When you break a barrier out of grief and sorrow, you'll have something to minister to others. That's like, God can help you. Because I know, because he did it for me. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's stand to our feet.